the chief official gave them new names. To Daniel, the name Belsharsar. Whoever reads this writing and tells me what it means will be clothed in purple and have a gold chain placed around his neck and he will be made the third highest ruler in the kingdom. Look, I see four men walking around in the fire, unbound and unharmed, and the fourth looks like a son of the gods. Daniel, has your god been able to rescue you from the lions? My god sent his angel, and he shut the mouth of the lions. We start a brand new series about Daniel Take a Stand. And I want to read to you the title, and the title explains actually everything about the message. The title is, How Can I Live Out My Faith in a World That Has Other Values? How can I live out my faith in a society who has other values? We know exactly what it means, because we're working maybe in a working place, or we have some friends, or we're listening to radio or TV, social media, and every social media has a culture. And often the culture is something else what we believe. For example, Daniel and the three friends, they were in Babylonia. And Babylonian had another value, another system, another culture. We are living in the world, but we are not from that world. And we're facing culture. And you have to understand, culture is never neutral. Culture has always an agenda. And the question is, how can we survive culture? Not only survive how can we have an impact in that society? Because often when we're facing a tough moment in our working place, you know what we do? We are quiet. We, we're laughing, we say nothing, and we are fine. That means we're enduring a culture. We are not called to endure. We are called to influence a culture, to change a culture, to impact a culture for the kingdom of God. Either I change the culture or a culture will change me. Let's start with the Daniel and the Three Friends. Is the setup of the preaching series here on a big, big screen. After the reign of David and Solomon, the kingdom was divided through a civil war, Israel to the north and Judah to the south. The tribes in the north started to worship idols. God warned them over and over again, but they ignored him. That's why the Assyrians could conquer them. Even though this was a warning example, shortly after that, Judah was turning away from God too. They ignored the warnings from prophets such as Jeremiah, and as a result have been taken into exile as slaves under the rulership of Nebuchadnezzar. Daniel was amongst them. In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. And the Lord delivered Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand, along with some of the articles from the temple of God. Then the king ordered Ashpenaz, chief of his court officials, Bring into my service some of the Israelites from the royal family and the nobility, young man without any physical defect, handsome, showing aptitude for every kind of learning, 
well-informed, quick to understand and qualified to serve in my palace. He was to teach them the language and literature of the Babylonians. Among those who were chosen were some from Judah, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael and Azariah. The chief official gave them new names. To Daniel, the name Belshazzar. To Hananiah, Shadrach. To Mishael, Meshach. And to Azariah, Abednego. But Daniel resolved not to defile himself with the royal food and wine. And he asked the chief official for permission not to defile himself this way. But the official told Daniel, I am afraid of my lord the king, who has assigned you food and drink. Why should he see you looking worse than the other young men your age? The king would then have my head because of you. Daniel then said, Please, test your servants for ten days. Give us nothing but vegetables to eat and, and water to drink. Then compare our appearance with that of the young men who eat the royal food and treat your servants in accordance with what you see. So he agreed to this and tested them for ten days. At the end of the ten days, they looked healthier and better nourished than any of the young men who ate the royal food. So the guard took away their choice food and the wine they were to drink and gave them vegetables instead. At the end of the time set by the king to bring them into his service, the chief official presented them to Nebuchadnezzar. The king talked with them and he found none equal to Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael and Azariah. So they entered the king's service. In every matter of wisdom and understanding about which the king questioned them, he found them ten times better than all the magicians and enchanters in his whole kingdom. So this is an amazing story actually and I believe we're facing the same dilemma like Daniel faced. We're living in an ungodly culture who has an agenda and God has also an agenda and God's culture is often the opposite of the agenda of the world. Let's start with three questions or three points. Point number one, live with divine identity. And the question number one is actually, do you know the calling of God in your life? And this is actually very crucial. This is very important that you know ex exactly what is the calling of God in your life. How does God see you? Not how does your mom, your wife, or your friends see you. What is the calling of God in your life? Why is that so important? Because culture has always an agenda. Daniel chapter 1 verse 7, let's read that and you see that changing names. Culture is changing your name. Culture is changing your identity. And this actually happened in Babylon. The chief of the officials gave them new names to Daniel, the name Belhazar, to Anani, Shadrach, to Mishael, Meshach, and to Azaria, Abod, Nego. Uh, when I read that, I said, oh, cool, new names. Uh, new names is always good. Because sometimes we are bored with our names and new names is always good. But here is an amazing agenda. Before I explain you the meaning about those names, that the shift of the name of the meaning, I want to explain you something with my own life. When I was very, very small, uh, I grew up actually in a Catholic church. 
And I felt in my young age, I am called for the house of God. I am planted for the house of God. I love the church and I loved God. When you see this picture, this is clean and holy. I mean, this is like a dream. Wherever I travel, I see this picture. People say, can I marry you? I say, no, sorry, I, I'm already married. But you see this, this is, I am planted in the house of God. God has given me a calling. And in my teenage years, I drifted a little bit from my calling and from the church. When you're drifting a little bit, culture sets in in your soul. And in my soul, I had a longing to become a rock star. This was the Bon Jovi season, ACDC, Metallica, and all the famous band. And I said, my soul had a longing to be a rock star. It's nothing wrong to be a star if you're a star. But I had a longing to be a rock star. And when I was 18 years old, when I got saved, I said to God, God, not my agenda, your agenda should be done. Not my kingdom, your kingdom should be done. And all of a sudden, God was unleashing in me a preaching and a teaching gift. And God planted me back into the house of God. I am called to be in the house of God. This is my divine blessing from God. And it's important that I know what is my position. Because culture will always knock on your soul, knock on your heart, knock on your life. And that's why it's important to know that. Because God's identity is always, he brings you back from a minus into a plus. From a minus into a plus. Let's see what the names are, the meaning about the names. And you will be shocked. If you have a smartphone, iPhone, something to write, please write it down. This is ours. Super pumped. Daniel means in the, in the Jewish language, God is my judge. Daniel is saying, God judge me. God judge me if you're a male or female. You cannot decide. You cannot decide. You're a male or female. You say, where are you going? Are you ready? They change his name to Behelesatzar means lady. Protect the king. What's happened? It's not a name change. You're not a male anymore. You are a female. You see your gender. The gender you see already in Babylonian. We're saying in every pagan generation or culture was always a gender agenda. Always. If the devil can mix up your sexuality, you don't know anymore sexually what I am, you have no clue anymore what is your real identity. And you're losing the connection with God. Friends, the gender agenda says to young children, choose 52 options. Wow. God is my judge. You see, culture has an agenda even to Christianity. The second man, his name was Hananai. That means Yahweh has been gracious. Yahweh provided, Yahweh blessed me. God is good, God is amazing. This is worship, praise God. We adore God, come on, this name is worship. But they changed his name to Shadrach. I am fearful of God. Woo. It's not the same name anymore. You feel it, the change of names. And all of a sudden, I'm afraid of God. Had no clue anymore what is my spirituality. Michelle means who can compare to my God? 
Hey, come on, that's a cool name. And Leo means lion. This is already a cool name. But, Michelle, do you want to mess up with my God? My God is stronger, my God is bigger. Oh, they changed his name from who can compare to my God to Meshach, I despised, contemptible, and humiliated. With other words, I was confident and now I'm covered. It's not a small thing. The last name to Asarai means Yahweh has helped me. Is my helper, God of signs and miracles. I believe in you. I believe in you. You're the God of miracles. We sing this song, right? This was his song. Yahweh has helped to Abednego means you are a servant of Nebo, you are a slave. With other words, you will have not a bright future anymore. You are a slave. Do you see what culture, culture is doing? Culture is changing all the time our identity. If you don't know who you are, culture will have an effect on you. The devil uses culture to put you from a plus into a minus. Let's see what God is doing, and you see God as another culture, and that's the coolest part. God changes you and me from a minus into a plus. He changed Abraham from a nomad to Abraham, God of many nations, from a minus into a plus. God is doing exactly the opposite. He changes from Jacob, a cheater, into Israel. You are the truth. God fights for you from a minus into a plus. He changes Simon, God has heard, into Peter, you are the rock. God changes always from a minus into a plus. This is God's culture. Now you see, the culture of the world and the kingdom of God colliding all the time. And somewhere you are in the middle. This is the Daniel dilemma. I believe in God, but are living in a pagan world who has another culture or the value system. And what should I do? Should I be endure? Or how can I have an impact in that society? Point number two. Decide what you will stand up for. That's a very important point in the life of Daniel. Decide what you will stand up for. In Daniel 1 verse 8 I'm going to read this Bible verse to you, then I want to underline like some words. But Daniel made up his mind that he will not make himself unclean with the king's best food and wine. So he asked the head ruler to allow him not to make himself unclean. Here are an amazing word. He made up his mind. He made up his mind. He made already a decision. You have to make a decision already before you are facing another culture. You have to know who you are. Because we're facing a culture and you have to make up your mind, what is my, my, my strategy, what is my vision, what I'm standing for. You have to know it before you're facing a tough and a rough storm in your life. Look, here's the thing, often people say, ah, oh, the Bible and God's command, they are so heavy. God is not good. The Bible is for you. It's a love book. It's a guidance. It helps you actually to navigate through life. 
God blesses us with the word. It's actually a helper in our life. I just want to explain to you for a moment what is my standards in my life. Maybe it helps you a little bit to reflect your own life. We have to make decisions for what will I stand in my life. The point number one, I will stand in my life. I am in love with my wife. You see, that's a no-brainer. Yeah, I am married 26 years already. It's always good if you're falling in love when you are falling in love. But after 26 years, I say to my wife, my wife, I will be on fire for you. Because I married you in good seasons and I stayed to you in even better seasons. That means even sometimes we're going, yeah. Even sometimes, even sometimes you're going to low seasons. What's the problem? A season will be never be over slow. It goes up again. But I pray to God, God, make me on fire for my wife because I married her. And here's the thing. Often people think, yeah, you're a preacher. You don't have challenges because you're holy. My problem is, look at my face, I'm beautiful. I mean, it's not easy. Just kidding, that's why I have such a big ring. With other words, I have the same temptation like you have. And I'm facing temptation, but I said to myself, there's a statement I made, I will not watch porn. I will not watch porn. I don't say I'm not sometimes watching porn, but you know, sometimes people say, if you say I will not, doesn't mean I can fall, but this is my standard. I will love my life to the end of my life. This is my, my, my vision statement. I made up a decision before anything happened. Some of the people come to me, oh, it happens. Nothing happens by accident. You made a decision. You opened a door. Just close the door. The second statement I made in my life, money, I am generous. I am not generous because I'm a Swiss guy. Because often people believe Swiss people, they're so rich. Yeah, we have the most beautiful country on planet Earth. But that's not money. It's just mountains. <laughs> I am generous. And two statements helped me along my journey. One is from John David Rockefeller. He said, I never would have been able to tithe on the first million dollars I've ever made if I not tithe on my first salary, which was $1.50 a week. You have to tithe when you earn low. Start in the beginning because here is the challenge. There's a lot of people in our church. One day you get a lot of money from your parents' inheritance. I will never forget when my wife, she got inheritance from her parents. Almost one million, I'm honest. To tithe from one million, 100,000, it's almost a Ferrari. Friends, it's not easy. But I did it because it's my culture. Another friend of mine, Denzel Washington, he should be my friend. Because he said, I am blessed that I can earn several hundred millions dollars. We can relate with that dude, right? Yeah, yeah. But I cannot take it with me, neither can you do you. It's not about how much you have, but what you do with what you have. And I made a decision, I will give my money into the house of God. I'm a giver into the kingdom of God because I believe this is the best investment you can ever do. Gives you dividends in heaven. Here on earth, it's only like 80 years, but there is forever. 
The number three I did in my life, I said, I am humble. I know when I said that this morning to these people, they say, you cannot say I am humble. If you say that, that means you're very proud. No, I am humble. I am super humble. I mean, I'm 100% humble. You say, explain me. It's very, very simple. I want to draw you an illustration. Because the most people, there are 51% people. 51. When people are dying, watch on a funeral, you know they're saying, he was a good man. He was a super good woman. With other words, he overweighted the minus factors in his life. He was, he was 51, a little bit in the plus, than not in the minus. That means he is a 51. Wow. Then you will say, what is zero? Everybody will say, zero in the eyes of God is Hitler. I mean, he was really bad. Hitler. And then you will ask, in the scale of zero of to 100, where do you stand? The most Swiss people, they will say, 74. 75 is too much, 74. They will say, that's me. Then you say, but the Bible is saying we should be 100% perfect. And they're saying, but nobody is perfect. That's the point. 100% it's only God. That means we are lacking. Humble means I need Jesus. Without Jesus, I am flipping lost. Without Jesus, I will not be in heaven. This brings me in a position of I am thankful that Jesus died for me. And I will never forget. It doesn't matter how much money I will earn, where I travel, where I go, how big the church is growing. It's not the point. I am humble because I know Christ died on my behalf. Without him, I am lost. This is a statement. Never forget where you come from. Because this is your roots, and Jesus has forgiven me. An amazing illustration, I know. The Daniel dilemma are three things. Daniel could deny and reject and condemn the culture, but then they will kill him. That's not a smart thing. You cannot deny the culture. He could accept and adjust the culture, then he becomes very liberal. Or you say, I confront and have an influence in the culture. And I believe the first two points, it's a no-go. Because we, we want to change and we want to have an impact in our culture. That leads me to the last point. Uh, be merciful when you are confronted with the society. And I want to explain this to you in a very, very simple illustration. I want to ask you, the people come on the stage. Run on the stage. Yeah. This is the illustration. Um, this is the word of God. This is the truth of God. And usually Christian or churches having two reactions. Either you're getting very liberal or they're very legalistic. Two options. Okay. Let's have the legalistic um, way. Legalistic means we believe in the word of God and we are holy. We will go to heaven. Thumbs up. We are safe because... You turn around your back to the world and say, here's my butt. Culture, butt. 
We believe in the word of God and we are holy. And they will say, oh, I'm so sorry for you guys. You're going to hell. You're going to hell. That's the second emo hell. With that attitude, you will not change the world. I mean, this is crazy. I mean, theologically, you're right. But you will not win any person for Christ because you show them the but. Then it's a second group. They're getting very liberal. And this is the position they, they take. They will say, ah, oh, yeah, there is the word of God, but we show the word of God our butt. That's liberal. Liberal means, Liberal means actually God is love. It's emo. God is love. But our love is bigger. Because we are even love more than God does. Because God cannot bring people into hell. It's impossible because love wins. In the end, love wins. Everybody will get saved. Hallelujah. God cannot put people into hell. It's impossible. God cannot hate gay people. Have I said it? They always think, even we have a bigger heart for people than God does. That's the liberal people. Have you ever seen a liberal church who's growing? No. Let's see all the churches in Switzerland that are declining because they're liberal. They're not preaching the gospel anymore. And that's their worship song. Wow. These are the two positions in churches, and I believe both are not right. And I believe there's a third way. And let's learn from Jesus by himself. How can we have the right attitude? It says in John chapter 1, verse 14, the word become flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Here is the word, grace and truth. Grace and truth. Both. It's not legalistic, liberal, it's grace and truth. And this is actually the picture of both. Can you show us grace and truth? Truth means our foundation is the word of God. And this is the foundation. This is the truth. But grace means I stretching out my arms and my hands in my culture where I live. And I say to people, I invite you into the kingdom of God. And we believe that the word of God, the truth, will set you free. It's both. You see, this is a position of every Christian, of every church. It's grace and truth. Thank you so much. Let's give those people a big hand. Thank you so much. I want to give you like uh, three um, statements. Without truth, we are corrupt. Without truth, people getting corrupt. Without grace, we are condemned. Without truth, we become worldly. Without grace, we become judgmental. Without truth, grace is mean. 
without grace, truth is meaningless. Truth and grace is the real medicine. We need both. We cannot say, grace, 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 it's all grace, all grace, let it go life, grace, 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 grace. This is only one part. And the second part is, I lead you to God and the truth and God will set you free. God's culture is often the opposite of the culture of the world. It's not the same. How can we have an impact in society? It's truth and grace. I will never condemn anybody because I know I need Christ as well. But I believe change, miracles can take place if people are turning back to the real foundation. And that's the Word of God. And our church is based on the Bible, based on the Word of God, the truth. Because the truth are setting people free. I want to close with one amazing story to bring the whole message together. It's actually a story out of the life of Christ, where you see both truth and grace. One day they, they found a woman by adultery and they brought her to Jesus. And it actually was a test. And said, Jesus, we found that woman by adultery. My question is, why have they been there? They found her. And they said, the law of Moses saying, we shall stone her, we shall kill her. What do you say? If Jesus would say, oh, I forgive you, no big deal, it's liberal, it's only grace. Then they will say, hey, Jesus, you break the law. You are not in the world anymore. If Jesus is saying, okay, I believe in the word, that means they have to kill her. You see, Jesus was in a Daniel dilemma. He was in the same dilemma that we are facing every day at our working place. What should they do? And he was writing something on the floor, and then he had a very smart answer. He said, anybody here without sin, then draw the stone. And the Bible is saying one by one was leaving first. The elderly people left because they lived the longest that the most sins. <laughs> and then the young crowd. When all were gone, Jesus asked her a question. In John chapter 8, verse 10 and 11, Jesus straight up and asked her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No one, sir, he said. she said. Then neither do I condemn you. Jesus declared, now go and live your life without sin. I forgive you. But now, baby, no more. I forgive you. Baby, no more. This is grace and truth. Both in a package. When people are entering the kingdom of God, we say, grace, forgive them. And then they say, hey, dude, no more. Because the truth is setting us free. I believe we're facing a season, and to be really quite honest, the church is under pressure. Every culture has an agenda. And the culture tries to put the churches in Switzerland into a corner. 
and a culture tries to make you quiet and not standing up anymore say, I am not agree. If we are not standing up, who will stand up for truth? We are the salt and the light of this earth and the church is always called to stand up and has an impact in every society. This is the challenge of the church in the year 2018. Let's stand up and let's be noisy for the kingdom of God and changing, impacting the society and giving people hope. Where have you been? We're celebrating Christmas and it's not even allowed in schools anymore to celebrate Christmas because of other religion. This is my nation. I don't care where you're coming from. This is weird. This is ridiculous. We have come so far and we're sitting in a church and we say nothing. It's time. They say, this is our roots. This is our foundation. This is our belief. We start the nations in the name of God and we still go on for the name of God. And this is a season for the church around the globe. We have to stand up for what we believe. Culture cannot stop a church because God's culture is a culture stands forever and ever and ever. The band will sing a song and for me, it's important to start the year with that because I believe there's an awakening call from God for you and me. Let's get ready. Whatever society believes, we have a different belief system and something is eternal. Sometimes I wonder when everything fails and fades away, what does remain? Why do we come to this place from near and far? Because at the end of the day, there is nothing else that remains. What would it look like to face the consequences of something so radical? What would it actually look like to follow Jesus? Friendships may fail, heroes may fail, eventually riches turn worthless. He stirs a thirst for truth, compassion and love. Nothing that this earth could ever quench. What is it that we can truly build our lives and hope on? There is one thing and one thing only when it's all said and done. He alone is our solid rock, our center and our foundation.